Amen. Thank you, uh, band, for leading us in an amazing time of worship. And um, isn't that our truth? Uh, he's the one who has set us free. We sing hallelujah, not just because it sounds good in the song, but uh, we really should be thankful and, and uh, just continue to live in that time of worship. I'm just going to move this real quick. So um, if you don't know me, I'm, I know I'm here every Wednesday, but I just kind of like to introduce myself. I'm Josh Rainha. Um I help here with the worship. Uh, I've been here at Calvary for quite a while as a student as well, too. Um, and one cool thing that happened recently, about four months ago, is I got married. Huh? I got married. You see it? To uh, this beautiful woman right here, Maddie. Uh, some of you may know her. She is amazing. And marriage is pretty cool. You know, uh, we have an apartment now. We're independent now. We get to go out to eat together. We, uh, we get to have sleepovers every night, which is pretty cool too. Um, there are so many good parts uh, of marriage. And uh, here, there's that cake too. You know, I'm not a huge uh, fan of cake, but that cake was amazing. That was some good cake. I just wanted to point that out. Um, but marriage has been amazing. But you know, um, we can talk about all the benefits and cool parts of marriage. And uh, I'm sure you may get into that in your C group time. But uh, you know, one of the most special moments of the wedding ceremony is not the, the traditions um, that you go through. You know, uh, having your bridesmaids and groomsmen is, is super cool. They're, they're people that you value and you care for that are there for your special day. But one of the coolest parts is uh, the vows that you make to each, to each other. Uh, and to demonstrate, I'm going to ask Maddie to come up here. Yeah, it's going to get real awkward. So this is kind of what it looked like on our wedding day, right? We had, some of you may know him, Marcus standing behind us. He's the one that officiated our wedding. Um, and we stood here and made vows to each other. And if I could get those vows on the screen, because I do not know them. So here you go. It goes a little like this. I, Josh, take thee, Maddie, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. According to God's holy ordinance, and thereto, I pledge thee my faith, or pledge myself to you. The or part wasn't supposed to be there. But that is, thanks babe, appreciate it. Um, that is uh, how it went. And I, I really want to capture that moment because there, there's something big there. There's a huge promise being made. We, we said those vows to each other. We said till death do us part, we are going to stick with each other. This right here is, it's a covenant relationship and if you don't know what a covenant is, you may have heard that word from time to time. We're going to break it down. What is a covenant? Uh, I have an official definition for you here. An agreement enacted between two parties in which one or both make promises under oath to perform or refrain from certain actions. Seems pretty simple, but strict uh, and serious. 
kind of sounds like a contract in a way. Um, but as we go deeper, we'll see that it's much more than a simple contract. But uh, you kind of get the picture here. A covenant in its most basic term or um, way is simply an agreement between two parties. And um, you, you make promises to each other. You have rules on what should and shouldn't be done. And in a marriage, in a relationship context, you may define it like this. A long-term binding commitment that puts the needs of the relationship before one's individual needs. Till death do us part. So we see that it's much more than just a, a, a law, but there's another side to this too. There's, there's this selfless um, nature that goes behind a covenant. Is my jacket messing with the, the system? No? Is that not? Okay. Thought I heard something. So a covenant relationship has one founder. The, an important thing to realize before we jump into what that looks like and what's so important about a covenant relationship is to understand uh, that God is the founder of this covenant relationship. He's the founder of marriage. And we can go through the Old Testament and cover a bunch of covenants. In the New Testament, there's a covenant, but we don't have time for that today. So I would just like to go back to all the way to the beginning, Genesis 2.18. And we can see the beginning of an intimate partnership between man and woman. So uh, just listen along here, read with me. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God uh, had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the, from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So we can peel apart that whole passage. There's a lot of interesting things happen. God takes a rib out of Adam. That's kind of weird and cool at the same time and like patches him up and, and then you get a woman out of that. Um, but what I really want to focus on here is the origin story. We see um, that God made woman out of man. This is the beginning of us as humans. Uh, and that's how intimate and close-knit Adam and Eve were. He literally made Eve out of Adam. Adam says, she is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. They came directly from the same creator and both had the same purpose, and that's, that was to serve him. And today, you know, when we get to know each other, uh, it's usually through dating in a romantic setting, which only happens or typically happens when we're attracted to someone. Uh, and if 
you know, it might work out if we're compatible, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with being attracted to each other. God designed us in such a way to be attracted to, to other people. Because uh, believe me, I'm attracted to my wife, and that's a good thing. But that shouldn't rule our relationships. And compatibility, we have that too. We look for you know, the same mutual interests with someone. If someone's going to vibe with the way I do things, um, are, they, are they really going to... Uh, you know, allow me to have a fun time? Can we, you know, for me, when I met Maddie and I realized that she wasn't a Dallas Cowboy fan and that uh, she really just didn't like football, that was almost a deal breaker. But we persevered and we're here now. So I'm totally kidding. Football should not be a main thing for finding a spouse. Um, but my point is here, we, we have attraction, we have accountability, we have all these things uh, taking place but the most important thing is to understand that God is our creator. He's the one that set the rules. He's the one that started this whole thing. So our purpose for relationships is not found in ourselves, but it's found in him. Uh, a lot of times we kind of like to try and define what it is we should look for in a relationship. The world will tell you what uh, that looks like, but the creator of all of this was God and is God. Um, he's the reason that we seek out marriage and a partner for life. He's the reason that we even have that desire to pursue a relationship, and not just romantically, but within a family context and with friends. He designed us to be in relationships from the beginning. And we need to realize how love and marriage point to a larger reality. And that's that they are symbols of Christ's love and union with the church. So if as followers of Christ, our identity and purpose is in God, then that should be true for our husband or our wife too. Um, and th this isn't going to be a sermon on dating, but I'd just like to point out real quick, you know, a lot of times we try, we stand up here and try to give you biblical advice on how you should approach your dating life. And that can be a little challenging because dating was not exist. It didn't exist in biblical times. That wasn't a thing. But we do have instruction and guidance to follow that God has provided us with. And I'd just like for you to sit on a thought for a moment. If you're sitting here and you're a follower of Christ, and I mean not I go to church or I believe, but that your identity, your purpose, your foundation is in Christ, that that is who you live for, then it just, it makes sense. And it's necessary that your, your spouse has that same purpose, right? Just think about it. If that's the most important thing about you, as a follower of Christ, it should be. If that's the most important thing about you, not even, not even that, uh, it's your identity your spouse should be able to connect with that on a very intimate level. And if they do not know Christ and they don't have that same purpose, um, it's going to be a very, very challenging covenant relationship. A marriage, is, a marriage founded on Christ is serving the role that God intended for. So what does a covenant relationship look like? Well, it is sacrificial. A covenant relationship is sacrificial. As uh, we found in our definition, a covenant puts the needs of the relationship before the needs of the individual. 
Uh, many times in our relationships, we approach it with a consumer uh, mentality, a consumer relationship. What can they do for me? And I, I have this meme to kind of give a visual for it. Um, me taking care of myself this year. Me, me. Now, I know that this can be taken many different ways. This can be self-care or, you know, the fact that you're lonely, but that's not what I'm getting at today. What I'm trying to say here is this is how we tend to approach a relationship. We go in thinking, okay, what can they do for me? How, how are they going to benefit my needs? What is it that, that I need out of this? And a, a consumer relationship isn't always bad. Think about, you know, your favorite restaurant or store. If a new one pops up with better food and better prices, you're probably going to dip and go to that one. If you play video games and a new game comes out, that's better and a lot more fun, you're probably gonna stop playing the one you're playing and move to this new one, right? But what if I treated my marriage like that? And I said, ah, you know what, Maddie? I think I found something better and a lot more enjoyable, so see you later, I'm out of here. That sounds terrible, right? And you may say, well, I'd never say that, but uh, we tend to approach it in this way. We just use better language. We, we say things like, it just wasn't for me, or I wasn't getting the butterflies anymore, or, you know, I'm just, it's this mentality of you do you and you do what's best for you. Um, And that's not a biblical approach to to, uh, any relationship, really, not only marriage. Um, And this leads to divorce. You know, there's a lot of causes for divorce, but at the root of it, Aside from sin itself, there's a a selfish approach to love and the relationship uh, is what leads to that brokenness, that heartbreak, that betrayal. When I proposed to Maddie and uh, I got down on one knee like this, I didn't say, Maddie, will you marry me as long as you treat me like the king that I am? I didn't say that. I didn't say as long as, as you know that I'm... I'm a king and you got to treat me like one. I didn't say that, right? It wasn't about what she could do for me or what I could do for her. I'm not a king. And Maddie is also no, no queen. A true king is someone who doesn't look around for what people can do for him. A true king is someone who serves. A true king is someone who died on the cross for our sins and paid the ultimate price, taking our place and saving us from what we deserved, and that was death. We don't deserve love. We don't deserve our better half. When we approach a relationship in that way, and we say, you know what, I'm undeserving, and so is my spouse, man, that changes the game. Because all of a sudden you go from what can you do for me to what can I do for you? There's a service mentality now. See, and the thing is, um, I'm most definitely going to try my hardest and strive to treat Maddie like a queen. Because that's my job as a husband, right? But that's not because she deserves it. She's not going to do her best to treat me well because I deserve it. I don't. I know I don't. Neither of us are deserving of love. And God makes that very clear. But 
in his security, in his love, the one who redeemed us both, we're able to love each other freely and unconditionally in our marriage, despite our mistakes, despite our downfalls, despite uh, me being a jerk sometimes, we are still able to persevere because of the love that we're founded in, and that's in Christ. In Genesis 2.24, it says, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. This is the word to cleave, cling, A covenant relationship is a commitment. It's long-term. It's not swayed by emotions and feelings and infatuation. It's not swayed by butterflies. None of that. To hold fast to his wife. That's what the scripture says there. Hold fast. You're, You're clinging on with all your might. Even when things absolutely suck you're going to continue to go forward and love each other. Even when there are days where you don't want to look at each other, you're going to continue to go forward. And before I move on, I understand that y'all are in middle school and high school. You're obviously not married. At least I I hope not yet. Um, But the point is, we need to talk about this now. One, the whole covenant relationship does not only apply to marriage alone and romantic relationships, but it applies to how you approach your family and your friends and those around you. And also it sets you up for success within a potential marriage in the future. It sets you up to approach that in the right way and not have this mentality of I'm young right now, I'm chilling, so I'm just going to do my thing. No, 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 get it, get it right right now because we're, we're giving you this opportunity. If you're a follower here, of course, I, we expect that from the followers of Christ here to look at their relationships from a biblical perspective and grow in that and take it in. And the last point here is a covenant relationship is fulfilling. Yes, there's rules, there's do's and don'ts. And, um, you know, the definition I gave earlier may sound very boring and bland and kind of strict. It sounds like a contract. Um, but the cool thing is that this covenant that God has created, um, this type of approach of going into a relationship, it surpasses it's actually more binding than a contract would be. And it also surpasses the love and the fulfillment that we can get out of a relationship defined by our own terms. It, it can be and it should be enjoyable and beneficial to you. When both people are able to wholeheartedly commit to each other, you will have a fulfilling covenant relationship. And it's a shift from what the culture or the world might tell you. Like I said earlier, it's instead of what you can do for me, it's what can I do for you? What can I do for you? This sets both a husband and a wife up for a fulfilling marriage. And remember, what we're getting at here is not only... um, 
that it's not, it's not a selfless thing, right? But when you approach looking for a spouse, yes, there are things to look at. There are biblical things to look at. You want to make sure that this person is founded in Christ, but also make sure where you're at too. A lot of times we go out and say, oh, I got to find the right girl, or the right guy, and make sure that they're after God. Are you after God too? And when you're both pursuing that same goal, you, you set yourself up, self up for a fulfilling covenant relationship. And we can't forget where this comes from. We cannot forget the origin of this all. A covenant marriage is what it is because it's founded in the covenant Christ upheld through his sacrifice. That is what makes a covenant relationship sustainable and fulfilling. Relationships are obviously a huge part of our life. You can't get away from it. They're a huge part of our life, and that's because that's how God has designed it to be. It's a fundamental part of who we are. We live within relationships. Over the last several weeks, we've talked about uh, all the, you know, the right ways of approaching dating and, and sex and, and love and, and uh, how we can better ourselves in those areas and pursue God. Today we talked about covenant relationships. But the most important element of this is your relationship with Christ. When we rely on him, the pressure of handling, our, handling on our own is lessened. When we rely on him, we're able to understand and have peace in the fact that he is going to guide us. When you rely on him, you're able to serve those you are connected with well. You're able to serve. When you rely on him, you have a fulfilling life through the covenant Christ has made with us. So I just want to encourage you. I'm, I'm up here, barely four months married. I like to joke that, you know, now I'm an expert, but really I'm not. Like, I, I'm, I am learning. And we get to learn together. And yes, I have the privilege of now being married, and there's some little things that I get to share with y'all. But grab a hold of this, the significance of what a covenant relationship is. So as we go into C-group time, I, I, I ask that you, you guys would just be open to talking about this. Ask questions that weren't covered here in the sermon. Ask questions about what a covenant is if you still don't understand that. Um, what it looks like to live in that. And I want to encourage y'all to pray. Pray for God to help you see his covenant with his church more clearly in your life. Ask yourself, what is God inviting me into in this relationship? And then ask how you can serve someone else rather than serving yourself. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of, of uh, just coming uh, every week here to, to worship you and to grow together in fellowship and, and your word. And we ask that uh, you just continue to allow us to focus on you, that we would be able to apply all that we've been learning uh, through these weeks on, on approaching our relationships, on approaching love and, uh, in a biblical way. And just pray that you would give us the wisdom and the guidance that we need. I pray that our time in commu community groups right now would be productive, would be focused on you, uh, and would just simply be fruitful. 
I love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.